This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. I am the Beyonder. Many times across the unimaginable breadth of space, I have observed and learned from humanity. I have unraveled the secrets of life and death, of heroism and villainy. I learned to use the bathroom. But there is one thing which eludes me still, the secrets of comics. And so I have summoned you here to Battle Pod, fan bros, into it with L. Collins, less than live with Cater Die, journey into misery, silence, wait, what? House to astonish, war rocket Ajax, Rachel and Miles explain the X-Men, you represent Earth's mightiest comics podcasts, you shall teach me the ways of your strange world, or be destroyed. Help me understand, and all you desire shall be yours. Nothing you dream of is impossible for me to accomplish. Right, so today we're doing something very different from our normal podcast uh, style, I guess. Um, we're part of this large thing, <laughs> this uh, conflagration, I suppose, of uh, podcasts called Secret Convergence on Infinite Podcasts. And so today we are talking to a couple of different people. I say we, but I mean me. Um, so we're here with Graham McMillan from Wait What? Hi, Graham. Hello there. And Elle Collins from Intuit. Hi, it's nice to be here. And Al Kennedy from House to Astonish. So there are a lot of us here, um, and we're going to talk about comics. What a surprise. <laughs> um, so, uh, hi, guys. Hi, Kate. Hello. Hi, uh. <laughs> hi there. I know. What a strange thing. There's so many people to, to juggle and try and do it. Um, so everybody's here. This is an insane project that we're all part of uh, in one way or another. Um, so congrats, you guys, <laughs> on making this happen. We made it through. It's, you did it. It's like, like being at the end of Saving Private Ryan. But we made it through the organizational more. phase. Yeah, there, there's so many more podcasts to do. We've only made it through four episodes so far. Oh, my yeah, God. There well, are nine more. No, five more. There aren't nine more parts. Holy man. I just nearly gave myself a heart attack. There are nine in total, five more. Well, congratulations in One advance. of us might die, and then it sounded like you might die, Al. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, if, if you one live of us dies, it, it's almost certainly be Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, My that gosh. could happen. Um, so uh, this is such a strange thing. I mean, I'm so normally used to talking to, to people who are comics creators, and all of us are people who talk about comics, um, which is so interesting and different and fun. Um, so we figured that today, I guess, each podcast has sort of a theme, and um, we decided that we would talk about uh, sort of perennial comics, things that um, we've either always loved or have come to be the things that we always recommend and always go back to, sort of comfort foods of comics, which I thought would be cool uh, on account of um, start talking to me about uh, early era X-Men, and I stare at a wall and cry and don't know what <laughs> is happening. <laughs> I think that's what happens on Rachel Miles Explain the X-Men as well. 
they, they just edit out the crying every week. But yeah. other words, it's, it's at least an hour of crying before they're yeah. gone. <laughs> that's I think that's happen. actually true. That's what would happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because, you know, I, I, I came into comics through web comics and indie comics as opposed to the big two. Although now that I'm swimming in the Marvel pool, I'm, I'm dipping into all kinds of insanity. Um, trying to figure out uh, this enormous history of Hellcat, um, which sound that sounded really self-congratulatory, but hey, <laughs> I write Hellcat now. Um, so yeah, I, I have to get into a lot of that stuff, but uh, I'm not really sure where to start. Um, but maybe, I guess, for each of you, and you can fight for dominance, um, what is the comic I would say that you most frequently recommend when someone's like, oh, I need to, I need to get somebody into comics? Oh That's God! A killer, yeah, killer my, question. My mind's gone blank. So L. Well, <laughs> I, I well, would say to be honest, it, it depends really. Like the, when somebody asked me that, the question I would always ask them back is like, "Well, what do you like?" Because you know, if I, what I, I used to see all the time back in the days when, like, I got into comics internet stuff through the Warren Ellis forum in like two thousand. So people were always like, "Oh yeah, well, you should obviously give them Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics." It's like, <laughs> what? What? Why would you do you wish to drive them away? It's like someone's saying, Oh, I really love cars and you go, Oh well, you should have this Hayes manual. And like, no, don't do that. Yeah, but I know people who did get into comics through understanding comics. That's so bizarre. But because that's, that's like getting into computer games through reading instruction manuals. Yeah, but this is how it happened. <laughs> My wife used to work uh, for a large conglomerate that's I'm not gonna name, uh, doing user interaction design. And she'd Gave them understanding, everyone who worked on team, understanding comics in a, this is how you think visually type way. Whoa. Okay. But and see, that's, them, I mean, that's like, in a situation where you're already approaching it um, from that angle. Whereas, like, yeah, nowadays, right. I think so many times when you're recommending comics, it's to, like, your aunt or your friend's sister who likes superhero movies rather than is, like, I'm really interested in the craft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and whereas people ask me, you know, like, I really like Thor. What should I read? I'm just right. kind of like, oh, nothing. <laughs> don't, don't read comics books. go and read better. real yeah, books like, do something better with your time see I would oh, just no, go for Thor the Mighty Avenger which is my favorite because it's really wonderful 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 comic level I love that book so much it is I mean I, I generally and I know that I'm speaking in blasphemy in this crowd but I, I have a hard time sometimes with a lot of superhero comics and I like I haven't been able to read a lot of Thor and get really into it, but the thing that made me start was Thor: The Mighty Avenger, which I guess is like an all ages book. But I read a lot of all ages books and I love it. But I love it. All ages books are great to start with. Yeah. Like I, I started reading comics as a kid because apparently I was a weird mutant child and would read anything. <laughs> One of my earliest memories is being like three years old and reading the newspaper to my parents, <laughs> <laughs> reading the TV guide to them and being That's like so six o'clock the news and my parents just being like we should give him something else because he's just gonna keep reading stuff well mom um, and dad at six o'clock the news is on however we will not be watching that because it's very boring exactly jack and Uri's on at 5 45 and bbc2 we should watch that instead uh but yeah so i remember reading comics as a kid and it was all the all ages stuff like i i grew up in the uk obviously my accent no. gets up. <laughs> I'm giving you such a sarcastic peevish look through through Skype right now. It, it's shameful. That's a, gr a great radio item. Yeah, know, right? thank you for describing it for so me. That's very helpful. I am giving you a terrible look. If you can imagine my eyebrow raised and a disdainful expression, mm. that's what's you're happening. like a you're like a bald Scottish version of The Rock. <laughs> 
That's exactly what I look like, listeners. Flare those nostrils. <laughs> um, but I, I grew up with, like, Wizard and Chips and, and all these sort of kids' comics that just don't exist in America. But okay, they're all, like, you, cannot, you cannot leave the mention of Wizard and Chips there without explaining what this highly bizarre comic was. See, that sounds like something that I've ordered when over there, so... I don't know. Is, uh, a comic, a kids' comic anthology where it was theoretically two comics that were at war with each other in the comic. Oh, so there Lord. was Wizard and there was Chips, and they were theoretically two comics that were pretty much exactly the same comic. Wow. Uh, but yeah, they had each had different strips, and like Wizard was like the the outer like four webs of the comic and chips was the inner four webs of the comic so and you would get like if you're a fan of wizard you were a whiz kid and if you're a fan of chips you were a chipite i remember could... this really weirdly intensely i'm like i'm a chipite god damn it <laughs> <laughs> oh were you because i was a whiz kid i oh, knew it now, now we must duel to the death it's, 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 <laughs> to our highly choreographed <laughs> death one shark one jet <laughs> But it was, it was that sort of thing, or, I mean, what else? Do, there was a Beano, there was... See, Daddy, that I'm actually were... vaguely familiar with. Only yeah, a little. There, but I think that like, crossed the pond. But there's the whole sort of, at least at that point, because I'm horribly old, There's there was a sort of massive school of kids comics that you read, and that that's just what everyone read at that age. And yet I didn't really, I mean, other than Archie, like I was an Archie fanatic as a kid, um, but... It was newspaper comics, which in general were like not meant for kids. So, I mean, I'm in Canada, too. So it was slightly different than the States, but it was like Foxtrot and like Dilbert, like reading Dilbert as a seven year old and being like, oh, <laughs> I get it. I know what it's like to work in an office. Um, Foxtrot was at least, you know, relatable on occasion. But it was that and like Farside and Calvin and Hobbes. And so much of it just completely went over my head. But I love them and love them. And but they weren't really kids comics. My wife tells a story about where when she was young, she used to read Calvin and Hobbes when she was like six years old. Yeah. And she and she used to be like, man, I'm 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 really not I'm not doing as well as I should be doing. This kid's six too, and he knows all these really big words. <laughs> <laughs> I need to up my game. And like says all these really deep and like occasionally nihilistic things. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> is is not for kids, but I I remember wanting so badly to get the jokes that I would you know force myself to be like i know i know this this is funny i get it (laughs) well you know i um interestingly unlike everyone else here i actually got into comics as a kid by reading marvel and dc mostly marvel comics um i had the sort of parents that you know when we went to the grocery store or whatever would just let me throw whatever comic looked interesting to me into the cart and I guess the only reason it worked for me is that I was sort of a weird kid. I mean, I was a weird kid in all sorts of ways, but I was so predisposed to be a particular sort of nerd that when I read like <laughs> an issue of Micronauts or an issue of Avengers that like started in media res and ended with a cliffhanger, instead of getting frustrated, I was like, I want to know all the details about all the things that are happening here that I don't understand. That's my new mission. <laughs> Oh, totally. I, I remember the official handbook of the Marvel Universe coming out when I was a kid, and that being the most exciting thing in the world. And it was literally just fact files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? I was really excited about those too. I had a bunch of issues of the um, the Update 89 that was like the big fat one with the really long entries. And, and it, I, was su- it was super exciting because it was, you know, here's this whole world that exists and has all these stories that have already happened, and you can catch up. 
and there was something really exciting about that. That was it for me. See, when I read my first US comic, it was, I'm pretty sure it was issue two of the adjectiveless Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, X-Men relaunch. So How it opens you the first you page. I'm 35. I am so I was I was 11 when that came out. Um, so I, I like you know the first page of that is a big picture of Magneto's head and he's all growly and like mean and stuff. And then pages two and three is a massive double page spread of just tons of the X Men. And I was just like, who are all these people? <laughs> like, what what is going on? Who are all these people? These people all have stories. And they all have histories. Little did I know, you know, the <laughs> X-Men. But, but like I was what like, you know, wh- who's that girl with the skunk stripe in her hair? Who's that bloke with the stick and the jacket? You know, I, I was early on like Rogue and Gambit. They're my two. And they <laughs> and they were my two, but only because of the 90s TV show. And I mm. was I remember being so completely in love with them the way I had only been in love with like Buffy and Angel and then Buffy and Spike. And then um, I just so obsessed with them, and I remember finding out on the on the early days of Netscape um, that the guy who was the voice of Gambit was like sixty, and I was wow. so <laughs> upset because he he was such a part of my like eleven year old very beginnings of fantasies. I was like Gambit, yeah, that's it, that's it for me. He's he's got such a weird accent in that. It's curtain. so like, weird. No Cajun like, person has ever no. had. Like and it's you go also back, just kind of oh. like. Oh, maybe Gambit could keep you warm, sure. But when you're kind of stuff, 11 years what? old and you live on the east coast of Canada and you've, like, never met an American, that seems like a totally feasible <laughs> accent. <laughs> so I, mean, I bought in. This, I, 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 I'd never even heard the word Cajun. Like, I read it until I, until I saw on television on cooking shows, I thought it was pronounced Cajun. Like the, <laughs> like the noise an old tape deck makes when you eject it, you know? <laughs> That's brilliant. From now on, this entire episode is everything Al thought as a child that was wrong. <laughs> just, <laughs> just list them out. I think that's a really good theme for anything. <laughs> but I, I mean, like, I didn't have a comic book store. Like, my parents were not comic book readers outside of. I mean, they were really into The Far Side and Calvin Hobbes. Um, but I didn't even know that comic book stores as an entity were really a thing until I was, oh God, at least like 12 or 13. I'd never been to one. And um, I only really started shopping at them when I was in college because just where we grew up, there wasn't one. Like we lived in this sort of weird tiny town in Ottawa, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily there's a million of them here. And obviously I worked at one for years, but um, that was such a weird thing because, I mean, in Canada, at least, or at the places that we went, there weren't superhero comics at the grocery store. Um, it was only Archie or Jughead <laughs> or anything like <laughs> Sonic occasionally. And then like Disney Adventures and like Nickelodeon magazine would occasionally have comics in it. But that was all I was exposed to. It's very I'm different. Trying think, I'm trying to think what I gave to get my wife into comics. Because she sort of, she married me. So, you know, at some point, I think it dawned on her that she's going to end up reading them. Right. <laughs> and now, now I feel like I get, half of what I get, is I get for her. Mm-hmm. But I can't think mm. what the first things were. I want to say it was like Fables or something like that. Why the Last Man? It was Why the Last Man. The thing that got me into, like, back into comics, I mean, I read in college or in high school, um, I read, like, Black Hole and Blankets and sort of, like, those seminal, uh, the big books. <laughs> and then when I got back into it, it was because of um, Runaways 
and uh, and Buffy in the Buffy comics. Like that's what got me shopping at a comic book store. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing that actually got me reading superhero comics, which makes me sound really young, uh, was Batwoman Elegy. Like that was the thing that I, I <laughs> at first was like, oh, <laughs> I can get into this because it's gothy and gay. <laughs> which was like, maybe all superhero <laughs> comics are like this. I was very wrong. But uh, it'd be great if they were, though. I know it's a good, it's a good stepping stone. I mean, I'd read a couple of things here and there, but that was that was sort of what got me like, okay, there's there's some weird cape comics out there, and you know, I trickled in through those. I felt oh, lucky with in terms of like, like when my wife and I got together, I borrowed her Sandman. You know, it was she already had a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that I I was just like, oh, I, you know. In the very, very early days of our relationship, I was like, you know, this seems to be going pretty well. And I, I really <laughs> hope it keeps going well because I'm only up to a, a game of you. So, <laughs> you know, I was about to bring up Sandman, um, I guess because Kate said gothy and gay, and that That's reminded true. me of it. Yeah. Um, Sandman <laughs> was hugely important. Like in when I was in high school, which was when it was actually coming out because I'm also quite old. Um, it's all just established it was, that I'm the child of this relationship. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really important to like meeting people that were similar to me and making connections. I actually met uh, my friend Devin, uh, who I'm still really close to 20 years later. Like the first time we talked to each other was because I was wearing a Sandman hat. And she was <laughs> like, cool, you're wearing a Sandman hat. I like Sandman. And that was like the beginning of our. Um, I love when those things happen. Exactly, yeah. stars in your eyes. You well, get this it. is like walking around. At, I mean, you know, it's such a modern thing, but walking around a tat or not a tattoo, uh, but a comic convention with the. I have the non-compliant, the bitch planet tattoo, and mm. it's so funny when people see it. It's like an instant friendship thing. It's crazy. Yeah, and stuff like that is so it. neat to me. Yeah, yeah and I love it, that. It's, it's such a strange thing. I'm. I'm trying to think if there are any sort of identifiers for that for me. I because the the comics I share now or the comics I have that sort of kinship are really weird. Like Eddie Campbell's Alec is not a comic that lots of people know or are fans of. But if yeah, someone likes it, comics. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I like you and me are friends. It's the kind <laughs> of comic I think more people would like if more people read it. But because it's not, you know, it, it's not for you. Can't say immediately. Oh, you've seen this guy in a movie. Maybe you want to read this comic. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like sum up Eddie Gamble's Alec, and you're like, so it's a Scottish guy. <laughs> it's a guy. He's, he's working in a, in a, a lot. yeah. He's working in a, a job, and it's kind of a dead end job. And sometimes yeah. he gets drunk, and then he has relationships, and then he gets married to moves to Australia, and you know, people that... are just at that point going, maybe not. That used to be <laughs> one of my favorite things um, when I worked in the comic book store was for myself and also my coworkers certain comics trying to explain them to people and especially people who really didn't know a lot about comics like they would pick up Transmetropolitan and be like what's this or Preacher and you're like oh okay exactly. um, let's settle in for a while yeah do you have do you have like an hour that we can go over this and it's so hard I and suppose you, you, those are yeah those are quite good ones for like having kind of a tagline for them almost yeah. like you could pitch the movie like it's all Transmetropolitan it's what if Huntress Thompson was in a sci-fi exactly and that's setting. the stuff that, that, you, that kind of a... you you know break down and you you learn how to do it and then after a while it becomes like this skill <laughs> that you're like mm-hmm. i can explain this extremely weird thing um because some of them are so easy you're like oh it's about wolverine and he fights a guy <laughs> you know <laughs> they're x-men but in the past but kind of 
Um, and then people just sort of can get it from there. But those are there were a lot of ones. I mean, especially a lot of the Vertigo comics um, are just so strange. And so, like, Sandman even is hard to define as a thing, you know? For me, I mean, it's about dreams, but that's, you know, only part of it. So selling it to people is 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 hard, but it's one of those things that you're just like, just read it. <laughs> just try <laughs> yeah, the first I, one. Really I remember there was one time Neil, Neil Gaiman was on, a, I think, a radio show, and he was asked to sum up Sandman in 10 <laughs> words for their oh, listeners. God. Did he do and it? He, yeah. Yeah, of course His he did. His 10 words, I, I may be slightly mis, misquoting him here, but I think it's... um. The Lord of Dreams must change or die, and chooses. Oh, he's Which so he like, mad. Oh, you could be a writer. Yeah, that's, that's why he's an award-winning writer. <laughs> oh, that's awful. I'm so mad. I'm so mad at how good that is. <laughs> Four years I worked trying to get something as good as that. Um, I find that when it comes to getting friends into comics. It often helps rather than describing the whole thing to give them what you know they need to be excited about yeah. it. Yeah. Like uh, to bring up my friend Devin again, when I wanted her to read Rat Queens, mm-hmm. I just said, There's a lesbian hobbit in this. Yeah. So you probably should be. <laughs> well, this that. is like all of, I mean, I'm friends, you know, with so. I basically am on like a feminist message board <laughs> in town and it's so funny how many of my friends I was trying to sell them on Bitch Planet and I was like it's misandry in space and then they're like cool that sounds you know great or yeah and same thing with rat queens like it totally depends on who you're talking to because if the person seems really into D&D you want to push that sort of fantasy element but if it's like a punk rock girl you're like yeah there's there's dwarf lesbians that get high on mushrooms all the time and then they fight stuff um, and it, it does, it becomes like a skill of, of selling the different aspects of it, depending on what people are, are going to actually, you know, clamp onto. And I find I that really like interesting. I feel like we're selling like comics that are not Wolverine punches people. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it, you know, to find yeah. different nuance in comics, mm-hmm. there has to be the nuance in the comic in the first place, right. as opposed to, you know, it's the Hulk, you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if somebody came to me and said, I really want to read a really good Wolverine comic, what would you recommend? Like, there are a couple you could, like, I probably would give them Weapon X because it's, if even if the story is not very, you know, chunky in Weapon X, it's at least a beautiful comic. Like, it's a kind of, it's a gorgeous so, looking thing. So it's would such, you tell them? Would you say, like, but the story is kind of mince? <laughs> I I probably, yeah, I probably would, to be honest with you. <laughs> I probably that's, feel like, that's, actually. That's the thing about, recommending people comics people i think sometimes it's like you know you'd really like this but i kind of want to tell you it's not great but i know you'll like it <laughs> yeah but i, think I people got who know i learned a couple of okay people the that. ultimates on that basis like i knew they would love the ultimates even though you know the ultimates is i mean the ultimates is a very important comic just in terms of what it did to superhero comics when it came out i mean the authority followed by the ultimates is probably the most significant game changers in superhero comics in the past 20 years but it doesn't mean that the Ultimates is that good. <laughs> it doesn't mean that the changes that it wrought are good either. Yeah. <laughs> and also, for, for the letterbox, changes... Letterbox panels, man. Just page <laughs> after problem. page. But also, like, to say it changed superhero comics more than any comic in the last 20 years suggests that the person you're talking to cares about superhero comics. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't just... If somebody came to me saying, oh, I really love Goodbye Chunky Rice, can you, I wouldn't say have the <laughs> exactly. ultimates. Exactly. Have you... Do you know what's the natural follow-on from that one? Yeah. What? 
yeah, it's just you know if you, if you go oh, well, I I, I loved. Uh, when you loaned me I Kill Giants and I'm like, oh, fantastic. Wolverine Enemy of the States, that, that's the one for you. <laughs> Have any of you guys read the Now of Brown, the Glenn Dillon book? No. 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 I keep seeing it around yeah. the place. The guy with one of the, the, really the, the, the washing machine on the front. Yes, yeah. it's That has been a gateway comic for a lot of people I know mm. uh, who, who don't read comics. <laughs> because it's, first of all, it's beautiful. The, the uh, Glenn Dillon's watercolours in there or just, even if you can't read words, you would get a lot out of that book just because it's absolutely gorgeous. But the story is such that it's so down-to-earth and so grounded in a particular individual experience that people who have never read a comic before get a lot out of it. I like that. I see. So yes, read that. People <laughs> call themselves comic fans but haven't read it. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Wow. There will be none of that in my house. Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, my whole specialty when I was working at the store, um, and not to harp on about it, but I think especially when you're talking about getting people into comics, I mean, that was the whole thing is that I I got into working at that comic book store, not because I was a huge fan, but just because the shop was so great and the people who worked there. And I mean, I know now I'm I'm so spoiled um, that there are a lot of shops out there that the customer service is obviously not the best. And especially if you're a girl or, you know, any not a white guy um, and it can happen. But my shop was so awesome and they were so wonderful and so great at customer service that I was like, I just want to work here. Like, I don't care. Like, I'll read comics. And then, you know, obviously as a byproduct, I got really into it. So I became the gateway comics person because I was reading all the gateway comics. Like <laughs> they were like, oh, you have to read this. Like you have to read this. And so then people would come and be like, I'm just getting into comics. And, you know, my response was always, well, me too. So <laughs> let's tr- let's go on this journey together. Um, <laughs> have you tried Mouse? <laughs> like, And they'd be like, yes, everyone has. Um, <laughs> but I was... I was new. I got in trouble for having Mouse in high school because it had a swastika on the cover yeah. and mm. some teachers are dumb. <laughs> well, they they were like, are you reading Nazi mice books again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, look, the book is about the, the mice that are cowering under the swastika. Yeah. Clearly the swastika is not being presented sympathetically here, mm-hmm. but they were having none of it. Some teachers just don't know. I mean, like my... Uh, the high school librarian who gave me blankets, I mean, I was 14 going on 15 when I read it, and it was a little too old for me <laughs> at the time, because, I mean, it's about a terrifying STD that mutates people, and I, you know, was not having sex yet. So it was pretty disturbing, but I also thought my librarian was the coolest person in the entire world <laughs> for, like, giving me this book. I don't think we were even supposed to have it. It was just I like she was just like, take this and bring it back. I'm not even sure it had like the library stuff on it. It might have just been hers, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> that was awesome. When you get somebody who's like that, who will give you, as you say, it will give you what you need. Yeah. Even I if think... it's not necessarily what might be on, you know, your reading list or whatever. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think about it now. And I mean, when I was working there, like so much of the job was making sure that eight year olds don't buy The Walking Dead. Even though parents buy it for their children all the time, which I don't understand, and what? I still think it's terrible. Constantly, constantly, oh, people will bring in their Graham. nine-year-old and buy them <laughs> The Walking Dead, and I'm just like, Graham, I used to work in what? I used to work in HMV, and the parents that would get angry at me because they would come storming into the shop and yeah. get angry at me because I wouldn't sell their shell, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Uh, uh, the yeah. 
every day, every day. Because it was just a computer game, Grim. Just a computer game. (laughs) To be fair, it is just a computer game. It's not like the kid's going to play that and then be like, I'm going to steal a car, you guys. I've got a great idea. But still. And the the horrifying thing to me that I actually learned how to do, which feels so self-sabotaging, was that I would show them that there was nudity. And that was the messed up thing, is they didn't care about the horrific, gratuitous violence or swearing. But if there was a nipple, God forbid, they wouldn't buy it for their child. So (laughs) that it's such a weird tactic to have to take. That's like, I just, I don't want to. I have to, I have to show you this is unsuitable. Yeah. I could show you the thing that is actually not unsuitable. Exactly. You're going to get nervous about it. I know. And that was, and that would happen. It would work almost every time, especially with moms. And I felt so bad about it because I'm just like, oh, I know this is like a weird reverse psychology thing, but also don't buy The Walking Dead for I your exactly. child. I'm reinforcing this thing that I don't believe in, yeah. but I kind of have to because that's the only way you'll listen. But I think about that now and I'm like, even though it's super inappropriate, I can't even imagine being a teenager and getting my hands on Saga because it would have blown my mind and I would have been in love with it. Like, in love. Because it's mm. so, it just feels so like, ooh, it's dirty. <laughs> Which I think is probably think, what Sandman was like for a lot of teens when it was coming out because it was you know, oh absolutely pretty dark and adult in a lot of places. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I think that when when it comes down to it, I suppose, like, are there any comics that you think are kind of bulletproof comics, like comics that you will just be able to give it to people, and you kind of think, regardless of what your this person's tastes or proclivities are, this will probably work. Oh, sex criminals. Much... <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. I think I've pretty much got two. Okay, go okay, for Okay, what two. are yours? Yeah. One is if if I think that they are at all receptive to a superhero comic, All-Star Superman. Hmm. Because All-Star Superman is probably the best Superman story that's ever been published. Um, and I think it's it's so perfectly crafted. Yeah, I'm not a big Superman and, person, and I liked it, so. And um, the other one is, I mean, I mentioned already, but um, I Kill Giants, it, it, which is just... I haven't read spe- it. Oh, it's all oh, you will cry. You will cry so much. It's so wonderful. <laughs> it's so wonderful. As we have already established, though, uh, you cry to the Great British Bake Off, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you just like crying. To be fair, I went to yeah, see the I... Iron Giant for the seventh time because they did that re-release, and I cried twice. I cry every well, time I see that movie. No, so but that's that's a film that is almost guaranteed to make you cry every if time you he says diary. Superman. You don't cry at like, Superman. Oh, yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. I just my mom and I went. We were just bawling. Like I've seen this. I know what happens. Well, in terms of comics that make you cry. The one that that got me really, really bad. In fact, there were two that got me really, really bad. And one was because in my third year of university, my the course I did at university was a joint degree. Um, one of the subjects was French, mm-hmm. and so I went lived in France for a year. And it was my first time really living away from Scotland and from my family and everything. And I took one of the comics I took with me that I hadn't read was Goodbye Chunky Rice. And of course, Goodbye Chunky Rice is you know, it's Craig Thompson's debut book. It's an absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful book, but it's about a character it's, who it's leaves. The wrong, yeah, it's the wrong book to take with you when you're living away a, from home for the first time. away line. from, I mean, Dandel is his friend who's the mouse. There's the scene where Dandel goes to the, the pier 
and throws a message in a bottle into the water, having been doing this a few times in the book, and just shouts in off the edge of the pier and shouts, yes, this one says I miss you too. When will I think of something else to say? And oh, oh. my goodness, that was me. I was done. That's horrible. But it's such a wonderful comment, but it made me so, so sad. And the other one's an incredibly stupid thing, which is uh, Web Spinner's Tales of Spider-Man issue 12, but uh, that's a story for another time. <laughs> no, I... no I, don't. I think that's a story for right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I, that, that's an essay I would need to write, I think, to be honest. I once cried at an issue of What If, where Captain America died. Um mm. And I've discovered that I can return to that that issue, and because I have that memory from when I was like ten, I will still get emotional mm-hmm. at that moment, even though I now understand the nature of the of the Marvel multiverse, which is that none of this is really happening because it's <laughs> comics. <laughs> I, any any comic where a, a dog in particular is put in danger, yeah. I, oh my god, I am I am a mess. Mm-hmm. We three. The I can't read it. I can't. Like I've tried, and it's just I'm like it's horrible. Oh. It will break your heart. I mean, I read Beasts of Burden. That's another good one to give to people. I read Beasts of Burden, and I loved it so much, and I still really love that mm-hmm. book. Um, and but you know, that's another one that if you yeah. if are yeah, it's hard. Dog, dog centric. It's mm-hmm. a really hard book to read. It is. I can't like animals or kids in danger or oh, like kids in danger, whatever animals. <laughs> 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 um. Yeah, I, I, I've i cried a bunch of times during comics. The end of Sweet Tooth made me cry. Um, but I read all of that in like a three-day span. So I was really, really sort of in it uh, when yeah. that happened. Um, Sandman did it to me a couple times. And I always get them confused. But it's either – because I give those two death comics, The Time of Your Life and High Cost of Living, I used to give to everybody because they were, you know, easy entry goth comics. And uh, – one of them, and I can never remember which one always makes you cry, the ending of it. But, uh, yeah, that, that that stuff. That stuff gets me. <laughs> I've cried at a lot of comics, though, which is sort of sad. But, I mean, I guess they're good. <laughs> yeah, I think my, my absolute low point for that kind of thing was uh, when I had an ear infection and I was doped up on so many drugs I couldn't even... I uh, couldn't feel my face. And uh, I cried at an episode of Robocop, the TV series. So there you go. <laughs> We've all cried at an episode of Robocop, the TV series. Probably. Well, yeah, but, but this one wasn't, th- this reason wasn't, why are you making me watch Robocop? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, oh, I had a, an answer I wanted to bring up if I can go back to of course. comics you feel like you can recommend to anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry, um, we, we slipped it's about a good four topic. tangents off that, didn't we? Yeah, it's okay. But I want to, and first of all, I don't feel like there's a comic I can give to anybody, but there are comics I feel like I can give to anybody, and if they don't like it, I get to judge them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think we've all got oh comics God, like I'm that. so nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was specifically, in that context, going to mention uh, Lumberjanes, which is a comic I have passed on to many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a really great all ages, everyone should like this comic. One of my it's favorite anecdotes about that. I mean, obviously, like I was involved with it, um, but uh, a friend of mine was posting on Twitter the other day that he bought Lumberjanes for a f- for a friend 
for a friend's kid, but the friend was like fairly conservative. And he was like, oh, no, there's like a joke about God in the liner notes in here. And I was like, that is not the most of your problems with lumberjanes. Like if you're going to try to give that, <laughs> I'm like, you know, that is the, everyone, that is the tip of, there is a yeah. big gay iceberg. In everyone there. is gay. Everyone <laughs> in lumberjanes. Like, I'm sorry, uh, which is why it's so wonderful. Well, you know, I have two nieces who are unfortunately being raised in a very conservative household and I give them like it's specifically my goal to think to give them things that look innocent on the outside mm-hmm. and will teach them progressive queer values on the inside. Oh man, you are doing the dark lord's work. I mean, somebody's got to do it. Uh, and yeah, I'm it's all been about my that. experience <laughs> that conservative parents are the ones who often like pay the least attention to the inside of books mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't look sinful on the outside. Yeah. It's true. I used to do that. I mean, constantly at the store, especially with parents who would come in and be like, you know, oh, you can't read that. That's a girl comic for their kids. And I would take it and put it in the bag and give it to the kid. (laughs) Just like buy it for them. I didn't care if any little boy was like, oh, I want to read, you know, Strawberry Shortcake or Lumberjanes or My Little Pony. And their parents like, no, that's a girl comic. Then I would like sequester them (laughs) like, hey, kid, you want some girl comics? Uh, and it was great and I had I only ever had like one parent yell at me for it and I was like this is your problem not mine the comic is free you can't give it back and the kid was like clinging on to it and I'm like yes run run <laughs> take it and go but Lumberjeans is definitely one of those I, I've given that to, to so many kids um, I handed it out at a girl's um, camp that we did in town there was like a bunch of 10 to 14 year old girls and and it was apparently the only time in like five days that everyone was quiet (laughs) because they all just sat around reading it which is great it makes me happy (laughs) and it i mean it keeps getting better and better too i mean now that they've you know revealed that one of the central characters is trans Mm -hmm. like i can't even imagine having that comic when i was a kid like yeah you know the the first transgender comic character that I ever encountered, you know, was crushed in an apartment building in a hurricane. Poor Wanda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad we've come a long way since mm-hmm. then, as good as Sandman is in so many ways. I think there is a lot of progression happening. Um, it's it's slow and there's a lot of people fighting higher ups at companies. Not that I would know anything about what that's like. Um, but yeah, <laughs> trying to, to sneak that stuff in there. And I definitely do you know, I'm 10 times more likely to recommend it to people if there's that weird kind of subversive thing to it. And that's it. I mean, that, you know, is creeping into more and more into superhero comics. It's just takes a while. (laughs) I've got a friend who, like, he likes um, superhero comics to the extent that I would often kind of bundle up, you know, packages of some of my ones that I've read and send them on to. And uh, when Marvel did not the current launch that they're doing but like one of one of the last two big waves of launches i bought for the purposes of seeing what we wanted to review on house of astonish i bought pretty much all the first issues mm-hmm. and i sent them a huge big cardboard box of all the first issues and the ones that he liked and responded to and wanted to know where he could get more of them you know it wasn't all new invaders you know it, it was ms marvel yeah which I would say you know, Miss Marvel might be one of the comics I would recommend to pretty much anybody. Like if that, someone's into superheroes, then yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great superhero comic. Mm. It's so good. Because it's the kind of thing, that I've, the, something that I've kind of um, seen 
lots of people saying that it's it's a, a great comic from the the perspective of of diversity, which it is. But I think it's also just a really like mm-hmm. in terms of the craft of it, like, like yeah. the yeah. the skill in which the comic is put together is so high. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a fantastic comic. Yeah, and also it it has a, a, a representational aspect that is not in most of superhero comics, it's which strange. is brilliant. Um, but it's, yeah, it's you, the fact um, that it's 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 just a terrific book, which really you helps. Know, people talk about how uh, there's like there's a new Spider-Man for every decade, like a new take mm-hmm. on the basic Spider-Man archetype. This is totally I, my theory. Kamala is it definitely for the the twenty tens. Yeah, and I feel like she's probably. I mean, you know, nothing against uh, Firestorm, but I feel like Kamala is probably the best one of them since Spider Man. I think she's the only one that's really made it work. Marvel have tried to do Spider Man every decade since the nineteen sixties. Like they did Spidey in the sixties, and obviously it worked. They did Nova in the seventies, and like I love the New Warriors, but that seventies Marv Wolfman Nova book is not good. Um, <laughs> It, in the eighties, it was Speedball. Oh, which I mean, it, the less said about Speedball, the better. If you want, I, <laughs> hey, hey, man, them's fighting words. I love no, Speedball. No, really, but, he's called Speedball. The, the um, that was a Steve Ditko comic in the nineteen eighties. It's like, who will we get to appeal to the kids? I know <laughs> the guy who made Spider Man twenty five years ago. Yeah, and then become a crazed hermit. And then in the 90s, you had Darkhawk. And in the 2010, uh, 20, 2000s, rather, you had Gravity. And of the, and then now you've got Ms. Marvel. And of those six characters, only the first and last have landed. I think that's really true. And I hadn't really thought about it in that aspect. But, I mean, it has all of the same sort of basic conceits. And it's just taken off like crazy. Like, people love that book for so many different reasons. Like, it's such mm. a good superhero comic it's such a good coming of age comic and it's so relatable in a way that actually feels genuine it's not like hey we're doing this thing for the kids check out us on skateboards like it feels real you know she's she's a fangirl and she's overwhelmed by everything but she has this this you know you really feel her inner determination to do good and to do right and and in a way that i think is is sort of thrown aside in a lot of superhero comics and it's it's just so awesome. I have like nothing but overwhelming love for that comic and for how many people it's gotten into comics because it's something that I've given out to so many, you know, especially young girls who would come in the store or recommend to online. And I I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who was like, this is crap. <laughs> Screw Miss Marvel. Like, unless they're super racist, uh, most people, <laughs> which, I mean, God forbid, a racist comic book reader, um, but they don't exist. Um, but no, I mean, Miss Marvel, it's just great. Sorry, I get I get excited. <laughs> no, but it's totally true. And Miss Marvel also works, you said, like, it's not just because, you know, she's universal. It goes beyond the, hey, kids, diversity thing. Right. I think that Marvel promoted it with it first as well. And mm. you can see why, because Marvel should be proud about it. Right. But you, anyone can read this book and be like, oh, I recognize that. Yeah. I, I've seen her at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the difference between something like Kamala Khan and like Sp- Spider-Girl, the, the, the 2000s Spider-Girl, the Tom DeFalco, Mayday Parker Spider-Girl, right? That book lasted for 120 issues or whatever it was because it had a very dedicated and loud fan base but they were not a big fan base but they were rock solid Mm -hmm. you know marvel would rather have sold a book to 
10,000 people that were going to stay 10,000 people every single month than a book that sold 40,000 one month, 28,000 the next month, 14,000 the month after that. You know. yeah. um, but she was not like any teenager that has ever existed. You know, but she Will was Wilson. like every other comic teenager that has mm-hmm. ever existed. Yeah, but it was all like, oh, I have to go to the store and pick up my latest crunk tapes that have come out or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's it was it was what a fifty-year-old guy from Joyzy thinks a teenager sounds like. Well, that is but kind that's... of the thing. I mean, it does sometimes. You know, as much as you, as much as so many men obviously can write really great women, it's been done forever. But you know, you that. To have a book about a teenage girl written by someone who actually was a teenage girl is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's nice that that's happening. I will always defend things like Teen Titans, though. Like the original Teen Titans, which were clearly written by someone who may have never been a teenager ever. <laughs> but has read, like, well, that has its charms. And exactly. So yeah, you're. You Sorry, we're we talking the we're we talking the Bob Haney team. Titans? Yes, we're talking about That's like very amazing. Where That's they are, so they're using slang that has never actually existed. But he clearly <laughs> thinks like this will be a thing. It's my great. favorite. My favorite panel in the entirety of Bob Haney's Teen Titans is where. Wonder Girl is dancing to some tunes, some rock and roll tunes that she has bought. And all the boys are sitting around looking sullen because they're teenage boys. And um, Wonder Girl says, um, come on, guys, does a girl have to frog with her own lasso? <laughs> and it's like... That's her chest. It's like, you, you go, a, you go ahead. Um, the entire time. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. If you have never read Bobby and his Teen Titans, and Showcase like, presents Teen Titans Volume One. Get out there, get it. It's yeah, it's 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 really bananas. I'm really, I mean, I do really love a badly written or just a very cheesily written teenager. Like for this Hellcat research, I've been reading all these Patsy Walker comics from the '60s, and they are fantastic. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if any of the slang was real slang, but sometimes it really feels like they were just making stuff up. Just. Exactly. You just hope it wasn't real slang. Just You're pick like, a noun and make it a verb. <laughs> Teenagers do that, right? It's great. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So I think I think Kamala works for that because it it does feel very much like the teenagers that I know and deal with on the internet. Um, so it's it's kind of it's pretty great. So I think that's that's probably one of the newer ones that I would put in the gift to anybody. I want to give She-Hulk to anybody because I love it so much, but a lot of people do not want to read superhero comics that are heavily about legal proceedings. <laughs> as much uh, I, as I, on the other hand, I love a, it. As a practicing lawyer, I love it. I'm sitting there going, <laughs> that's a very, very realistic thing that's well, happening. Char- right I mean, Charles is a lawyer. Table in half, it's yeah, so oh, that's Charles Hall is a, is a self-replicating colony of nanobots. There's no yeah. way that one man can write all those comics plus be a, be a lawyer, lawyer plus be in a band. Yeah. It's insane. I don't understand it. I mean, I do a lot, but there are people who I'm just like, I I don't understand. I mean, I'm friends with Marguerite Bennett. I have no idea. I don't understand how she writes like 47 (laughs) books a month. I don't get it. We we are awake the same amount of hours. We eat the same food. I don't like I tap out at about four. <laughs> I don't know how she does it. <laughs> I like. I think Charles Soul might be Charles Soul is basically yeah. the movie yeah. multiplicity <laughs> in every way. Yeah, in every possible way. Yeah, there are four of him, and he was completely ruined by Andy McDowell. <laughs> 
I'll get him on. So here's something. Have you ever, have you ever tried to get an actual kid into comics, like a young kid? Yeah. I mean, only. What would you give a, what would you give a young, like, you know, six year old kid? No. This was a hard one. I mean, especially when I was working there and I've talked to a lot of people who work in superhero comics and had meetings that were about other things and just been like, look, you're not making superhero comics for kids anymore. Like, and that's why you all work in this business It's because you were reading them when you were a kid. And so many people at both of the big two have this idea that, you know, the market is adults. We need to sell to adults. We need to sell this dark, edgy stuff. And yes, of course, there's a space for that. But if you're not building a future market, like, I mean, what do these kids have to get into? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're not, it's not sustainable to me. Um, so I'm like so enthusiastic about YA books, but most of them are not superhero stuff. Like the books we sell more often than anything else and the books that I sell personally or recommend to kids are like Smile and Drama, like Raina Telgemeier's books, because that's what kids are really into, you know, and Amulet. It's not Superman or Batman because there's not a Superman or Batman book that I can like in good conscience give to a six or seven year old because someone's gonna have their face ripped off or be impaled or there's gonna be sexual violence or something or it's like really 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 watered down kid stuff to the point that kids are like iffy about it if they're over like five because i mean tiny titans and stuff like that want to read old exactly they do see that's that's really interesting because my my nephew is six uh, seven rather he'll be eight in november i think are you trying to get us to recommend a birthday present for him? <laughs> We're here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> he absolutely loves anything Baltazar and Franco. Like yeah. he, he yeah, adores Superman amazing. Family Adventures. Like yeah. he just lapped that up. And he loves Oya oh yeah, Comics. Mm-hmm. Just, just would, cannot get enough of the Oya oh yeah, Comics stuff. And- yeah, I have a friend who has two daughters uh, who are under 10 and they just adore Superman Family Adventures, and I had to help them search out all the back issues of it because, of course, it was canceled before yeah. they ever heard of it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, like, like on Su- Supergirl Cosmic Adventures in the eighth grade is good as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that was oh yeah, issues. totally. Um, I also wanted to mention Scooby Doo Team Up. Those are yes. so fun. Those are so um, fun. Particularly, there was an issue that I bought for several kids that I know, which was the the uh, one where they team up with Wonder Woman and they go to Paradise Island and it's the old awesome Paradise Island where they ride around on kangaroos and stuff. <laughs> and, awesome. uh, of course, uh, Fred and Shaggy can't set foot on Paradise Island. Uh, because there are rules, right. but uh, Scooby can because he's a dog. And uh, Daphne and Velma get like special Amazon armor in their like signature colors. I want to read it's, this. It's yeah, exactly. This is, like my dream. I, I need to search this one out. This sounds amazing. Uh, Jeff, who I do the podcast with, who I do wait what with, his niece is, I want to say, four years old, and she is addicted to old Wonder Woman comics. Wow. She loves like the nineteen seventies Wonder Woman comics. That's awesome. That's great. Like, like the pantsuit Wonder Woman? No, 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 no. The the post pantsuit when she was just being when she was just being Wonder Woman. Right, okay. It, wow. But there was no, you know there was a period in superhero comics where it was perfectly fine for stories to be okay for kids. Mm-hmm. Like Superman mm-hmm. really would save cats. Wonder Woman would, you know, fight a Gorgon and that would be it. Mm-hmm. And that's the period she's really into. 
And I, I'd love if there were comics like that again for kids. It's if I was very... recommending kids comics now. I'd go for like Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> well, I really, I mean, I go for a lot of the the graphic novels because there's so many. I mean, I feel like, and I, I again, have also tried to talk to a lot of publishers because, you know, coming from it, I mean, like I run the Valkyries. So I'm on this message board of like 450 women who work in comic shops. So I see what's selling all the time. And I'm writing comics and reviewing, like I'm, I'm in it from so many angles that I keep trying to talk to people and be like, look, this YA book market is huge and people are just not embracing it. I think that the way that they should, because like I think Marvel and DC should be making YA and like kids graphic novels and comics way, way more than they are. And I want to write them because oh, <laughs> that I, would be great. I'd, I would love them to do it, but I wouldn't trust them to do it. Well, yeah, there's that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Scholastic's doing a great job. First Second's yes. doing a good job. Yes. The idea of, you know, Marvel or DC being like, okay, we've got this great thing. You'd it's have for to, yeah. It's yeah. girls and it's by, you know, Frank Thierry. Frank Thierry. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Did we both go for Frank Thierry at the same time? I'm not it. even going to approach that. Um, I, I think, you, yeah, you'd have to get the right people. And they, yeah, they try. <laughs> They try. I'm not. I work for these people. There's only so much I could say. Um, <laughs> they're all great. No, Everything's perfect. The, yeah, I would for, love to. Let's that's just, a great idea. Let's that's just go really down. Good. Let's just uh, go down. Cartosia Tales. I just realized. Uh, yeah, those Facebook are really fun. I'd recommend Cartosia Tales. I think the stuff that really sold really well. Obviously, My Little Pony is enormous. I mean, for everybody, for kids, they really love it. I mean, there's you know the adults that were weird, but. Um, when you know when I was working there, I, I we sold tons of it. The Adventure Time stuff, yeah, but it was not as much kids as it was like people my age buying it. Um, it's weird. It, it's hard. Like they're, it really kids love that they have more than twenty two pages. Like they really love having a book. I've yeah. found. Yeah. Um. So stuff like drama and smile and like uh, Faith Aaron Hicks's books and. Uh, there's just so many, you know, and all the amulet books. Like kids love being able to power through something, and then there's another one. Like that's that's a thing kids are so into. So if they finish Smile, then they can go get Sisters and Drama, and like then they're completely hooked and obsessed. Um, so that is a thing that I think would be so awesome if there was more of. And I just realized DC did try and do a young of uh, line of YA graphic novels. The Minx, the Minx line. line. They did, and then they canceled it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. After two years. And after yeah. also, to be honest, some not great books. There were some really good books there, but there were also some yeah. that were not. Well, some of Faith Aaron Hicks' first stuff. Some, yeah, there were some that were that were by people who have before and since done amazing stuff, but their Minx book was not good. It's also a really like, weird. I'm not, not going to name names because I don't want to talk tales out of school because I think that's a bit unfair. But like, there was a couple that I read that I I bought because of the people who were working on them because I'd loved their indie work, and the Minx book they put out was poor. And that can and the come work down they've to done since is great. That can come down to so many different things. Like that can be editorial pressure. That can be horrible deadlines. That can be bad page rates. Like yeah, there's so yeah. many reasons why it wouldn't. You know be up to to code to general standards um but yeah it, it's weird i mean i sort of came into comics after that line but that weird i and so many girls are so turned off by the the aggressive it's for girls marketing like we don't want mm. that you know as soon as something's like yeah it's for you finally we recognized um because it's just like oh okay cool like we just want to read comics we don't <laughs> we don't really want to be in like our special corner 
Um, <laughs> especially, you know, kids will go for it for sure. Like the the DC superhero girls thing that they're doing now, like the kids that I've seen seem to be responding really well to that. Um, yeah. But I think when speaking you're older, someone who has got speaking of someone who's got a 15 month old daughter, I'm really looking forward to there being enough of that that when mm-hmm. she's a few years older. Like, I mean, she's going to be five when the Captain Marvel movie comes out. And I'm so looking forward to that. So cool. I'm so excited for that. I can't believe that's real. (laughs) It's so awesome. (laughs) That's just crazy to me. Like, I don't know. It's neat. I mean, I I also know a lot of younger girls who are really into Squirrel Girl um, because that is like an all ages one. but and again, it's just wonderful no matter who you it's are. so good. so yeah. good. <laughs> I was having a conversation with a variety of people this week um, about pronunciations of things and whether things can ever be pronounced in a certain way in certain accents. And it came up that it took me so long to realize that that character's name is supposed to rhyme. It's supposed to be Squirrel Girl. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, it doesn't work Girl. In- squirrel girl and it, it's supposed to work like that but it doesn't work like that in british accents except it does rhyme in a scottish accent but it's a completely different rhyme <laughs> really? where, yeah it's squir- it's squirrel girl <gasps> that sounds so good i want to hear that every day for the rest of my life yeah. I, i've turned that into a four syllable name <laughs> <laughs> that's well and then her real name rhymes too because she's doreen green which I think is yeah, so that one, great. We, we, we have that one here. That, yeah, that one's <laughs> but I love um, that. You know, I wish there were so many more books like that. I remember Squirrel when... Girl, um, feels like a particular... I, I don't want to, you know, bash one of the greatest uh, comics artists of all time here, but uh, follow me if you can. Uh, Squirrel Girl feels like a particular sort of victory to me because... She was created by Steve Ditko. And if you read the Steve Ditko story that she first appears in, she's presented as a figure to be mocked in this Mm -hmm. really, I feel like, somewhat gross way. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we've been able to, or that, you know, creators who put effort into her have rehabilitated her into this character that is still a little silly, but is fun and likable and who you could, like, read that book and identify with and Mm -hmm. want to be. Oh, I feel like it's, it's a miracle of comics evolution. It's a comic that, I mean, obviously I'm super biased. I'm really good friends with Ryan and Erica, and I love them so much, and I'm such a huge fan of both of their work. But when that comic came out, I was like, oh, my God, she's thick. She's got a booty. Like, I could cosplay this, and I would look amazing. And it's so funny because there's those moments in comics, and I always like talking to people about them, like that thing where you were like, you saw yourself and it in in. I think that's really, really important. And I think that happens in comics so often. But it's so weird that like I read, I think it's in the first issue when she she does the thing where she like tucks her tail into her pants. So she just has a huge butt and she talks about rocking it. And I remember reading it and being like, I'm getting a little teary right now. Like, I know what that's like, Squirrel Girl. I also have a conspicuously huge butt. Like, this is great. And (laughs) it's so dumb. But it made me feel awesome. And I love that. And and I'd heard it from other people, too. And I was like, oh, great. I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I saw somebody on online seriously say that social justice warriors had ruined Squirrel Girl. And I it's know. like, what? it's like one, one, <laughs> what? Two, oh, yeah, that'd be the huge squirrel lobby then. And two, uh, three, um, were you really into Squirrel Girl before? Like, she was your big thing. Like, yeah. that's, Erica's told me that, you know, people will angrily message her sometimes 
because she's not fuckable. Like, she's not, you know, Squirrel Girl's not designed to be sexy. And mm. people get so angry about it. And she's just like, I don't understand. Like, why are people so mad? She's so cute. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> because, because they're horrible. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I've been living this. Uh, this podcast will come out later, but uh, at the day and time, you know, yesterday I'm writing Vampirella. They announced she has a new costume where you can't see her everything. Um, and it's been 24 hours of receiving uh, hate mail from men who are angry about it. And it's very interesting. It's a very interesting um, look into people who are just so sad. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I did this, you know, I do a column for a Comics Alliance where I cast imaginary movies. Yeah. Um, which is somehow a thing that they, they pay me to do. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the first one was a, was a Batgirl of Burnside movie. Oh, people were so mad about that. People, yeah, there are all these dudes saying this movie should never get made. I know. And there were specifically a bunch of dudes saying, uh, saying that Barbara should only ever be Oracle. And I'm like, okay. I remember when Oracle was around, and she was pretty cool. But you know what? She didn't have this giant following of male comics bros Mm -hmm. that now all of a sudden act like she was important. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. It's this weird entitlement that I don't understand. Because, like, I clicked on that because Babs retweeted it. Excuse me. And I was so shocked. I was so shocked. Like, everyone felt that they would die if they didn't weigh in on this <laughs> theoretical article about a movie that will probably never happen because can you imagine DC doing a fun movie aimed at like teen girls Th- not an it's just you know we can dream yeah like obviously <laughs> i didn't respond to any of those guys because yeah. you know i'm better than them but <laughs> if i had what i really wanted to say is you know what you win because you're the fan that DC thinks is important. So this movie's not going to get made, so you really don't have to worry. We're just trying to imagine a better world than the one we actually live in. Yeah. And isn't that what superhero comics are really about? (laughs) Exactly. I say Jerry Springer thought for the day right there. Yeah, way to bring it home there, Al. (laughs) (laughs) We've all had a lot of fun today, but there's nothing comics about sexism. <laughs> well, uh, that feels like my cue to start uh, <laughs> rounding it down because I'm not going to top that. Um, so <laughs> in general, I think this has been wonderful. Um, but in general, I end every episode uh, asking everybody what they're reading and uh, especially would recommend. Um, so since I've, so everyone doesn't fight, I'll go I'll go one by one. Um, I'm sorry to put you on the spot if I did, but too bad. Here you are. Um so Graham, what what what's out right now that you think everybody should be reading? Comics? Yes. Or just oh god, in terms of comics, what am I reading? You're saying this, and I have terrible things beside me that I have to talk about later. Uh, what <laughs> have I liked lately? I like Survivors Club, which has just come out, the the new Vertigo series by Lauren Bukes. Hmm. Uh, and on follow, I read a review of. Uh, Sorry, I read a preview of that because I'm talking to them for Wired, and I really like that. So I'm going to give the new Vertigo books a chance. That sounds very good. Uh, L? Um, I would say, I mean, I read a lot of things, most of them because I think they're good. But two things I would definitely recommend right now are um, uh, Gem and the Holograms, which is fantastic. I just read the annual. It's so um, good. I should have said that is the thing I would totally recommend because they're amazing. 
Yeah, and the the annual, of course, has the exact same plot as uh, the Buffy episode Restless, except <sighs> nobody attacks them in their dreams, and all of their dreams are pastiches of other 80s properties, and it's wonderful. <laughs> um, also, uh, Zodiac Star Force oh is a God. recent comic that I'm really excited <sighs> oh, about so right good. now. That's so good. Sorry, I'm just going to be like talk over you to be like, yeah, that thing is so good. Um, <laughs> but they are. Uh, yes, and you should definitely get them. Al? Um, my difficulty is that the thing that I read most recently that I would really push on people is not recent. Um, it's from That's last fine. year, which was um, Farrell Dorimple's Renshies. Mm. Which is which wonderful. It's, it's pretty tough going, some bits of it, but um, it's really, really good. In terms of current stuff, the book that I would push on everybody that nobody is reading, uh, well, not nobody, but not enough people are reading, and the entire reason for that is because of what it's called, is Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, which is honestly, I say this all the time, it is <laughs> one of, I would say, the top three best written comics currently being published in America. You know, it you're is not the first person I've heard say that. Spectacular. That's if crazy. this wasn't Transformers, <laughs> it would be winning Eisner's. It is. <laughs> it's genuinely. I'm not kidding. It is brilliant. People should go and if they, you know, if they want to get a bit of a taste of it, go and read the the brilliant recap articles that Chris Sims has been writing for Comics Alliance about it. Um, but it is. I mean, you will you will cry over the relationship between two gay Transformers. <laughs> it is. It is brilliant. I've heard, I mean, like, you know, I, I don't know Transformers from a hole in the ground, um, but I have heard that they're doing, like, new Archie levels of boundary pushing in terms of, their, like, they're Transformers, which is crazy to me. Like, yeah, of all I mean, the there, properties. There are, two, there are two characters who are um, a character called Chrome Dome and a character called Rewind, right? Mm-hmm. And they are like Transformers. It's become more explicit recently that Transformers are gendered because they've introduced way more female Transformers in the last year or so. Wow. And, it's funny because um, all of the biggest Transformers fans I know on the internet are trans women, uh, <laughs> fittingly enough. It's beautiful. <laughs> Just um, like. <laughs> It's so funny because uh, growing up, you would never have thought that uh, Transformers would be progressive, you know, just of all the yeah. things. I yeah. mean, I do also similarly, obviously, it's in a different wheelhouse, but feel the same way about Archie, like would never have thought. And if you read any of the Archie comics that have come out in the last three years, which I do because I'm a six year old child forever, uh, it, it's crazy. The stuff that's happened in those comics, like and Archie is this comic where nothing ever happens. It's this idyllic pastiche town. And then like. Anyway, it's insane. Um, and I won't even get started on that because I've done like 17 podcasts where I just talk about how insane Archie is. But yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's a, there's, there, are these two, there are these two male-coded Transformers, Chrome Dome and Rewind, and they are the central love story of the series, That's... basically. And you you laugh, you cry with them. They are they're such a good couple. Like, mm-hmm. they're so well-written, and it is oh, it's just the whole series is just exceptional. Um, and I will gladly just rave about it for hours. So you should probably like turn my mic down or something. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, that's where I was going with Archie. It's what happens. Well, I mean, the Archie books right now are great. I'm really enjoying all the, the Archie relaunch books. They're so I, good. Jughead came out this week, mm-hmm. I think, as we regard, mm-hmm. and it's really, really fun. It's so great. I haven't read Jughead yet, but I'm very excited about I, it. I, Such a I, great I really like it. It's yeah. very, it's very funny. I'm very excited about like everything that they're doing. I. The fact that they made an Archie horror imprint is 
just a mm. dream for it's me. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. I love them. Um, God willing, I'll get my Josie and the Pussycats book. But, you know, I'll have to probably do some sort of blood ritual ritual first. Um, so, Graham, uh, where can people find you and your podcast on the Internet and other places? Uh, you can find my podcast at waitwhatpodcasts.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. It's called Wait What, people. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Graham M G R A E M E M. And you can also find that in two episodes time of this crossover. Let's not forget mm. episode six. Oh, look at you so with your whole planning. Episode. Yeah, if people <laughs> want to find promotion. out, oh, wait, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, if people oh. want to find out about the oh. whole crossover and where to hear everything, where do they go? I uh, I would suggest probably follow at SCIO Podcasts, which is Secret Convergence on Infinite Podcasts, because Twitter wouldn't let me have at Secret Convergence because it was too long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at SCIO Podcasts <laughs> is the Twitter feed where we're going to be putting out all the info. Perfect. And oh, oh, what is the next episode? The next episode is Journey into Misery. Yeah, so I'm on that as well. So that's somewhere else you can hear me. Oh, wow, you're in three <laughs> episodes in a row. <laughs> You're not on the wait. You're not on the wait. What episode are you? <laughs> Never mind. That's my podcast. I'm not on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Twist endings. Um. And L, where can we find you? Um. You can find my podcast at intuitpodcast.com or by searching for Intuit with L Collins uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Um. And you can follow me on Twitter at another L. Perfect. And Al. Uh, yeah, House to Astonish you can get at housetoastonish.com where uh, you get the podcast there, but you also get my co-podcaster, Paul O'Brien, uh, putting up posts about his four great passions, which are uh, chart music, WWE wrestling, uh, and now Chikara wrestling as well, um, the X-Men line of comics, and now, since he's become a father, British children's television programs. <laughs> it's nothing if not eclectic as a blog. So it's HowStoAstonish.com. And as always um, with these things, HowStoAstonish is on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. Uh, you can follow me at HowStoAstonish on Twitter. And Perfect. we are going to be episode seven of this podcast crossover thing directly after Wait What? Yes. So look into Secret Convergence on Infinite Podcasts and all of the insanity that comes along with that. Thank you, all of you, so much for being on my show and transforming it, uh-huh, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Good job. Great. Good job. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, all right. I will talk to all of you very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. I know that you want to the pages inside my heart. Amnesia Forgetful Face. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. Oh, I hung up. Shit.